Hello, everybody. Welcome to Policy Ward. That was the improvised intro of a show that does not have an intro yet, but will soon have one. I'm one of your hosts, Russell, and I'll just be holding this episode for today. And today we're going to talk about Washington, D.C., aptly named after an individual who some love, some hate, some celebrate, called Christopher Columbus. And some may see him as the founder discoverer of this country, but today we want to talk about the capital of this country, Washington, D.C., and how a bill is going through the House that's passed through the House and is in the Senate's hands that is on whether to basically make Washington, D.C. a state, give it statehood. And there are many different perspectives on this, and I do want to talk about uh, the Republican perspective and also my perspective, which definitely leans more towards, uh, you could say liberal, I'm like more progressive perspective on this issue. So, let's get into it, shall we? Um, the representative of Washington, D.C. has basically pushed forth a bill every single year she has been in Congress. Her name is Eleanor Holmes Norton. And she has pushed forward to bill every single year she's been in there to basically make Washington, D.C. a state. The reason why she wants to make it a state is so they can get two senators and the House member who would all be Democrats. That's the partisan reason. There are many other reasons, but the problem that many Washington, D.C. residents have is that they don't have full representation in Congress. They, they can vote for president. They have three electoral votes, but their representative for Congress can only vote for a committee. She cannot vote on the floor, which means she cannot vote for a majority of bills, which is a problem, of course. Um, the main reason this bill has not been passed multiple times because Republicans obviously do not want two additional Democratic senators and one additional Democratic House member. Now, I want to bring up some of their counterarguments and then counterargue their counterarguments because I'm getting complex with this stuff, you know. So, so the first thing they talk about is how Washington, D.C. is too small, too small to be a state. Uh, in recent 2018 U.S. Census, Washington, D.C. had over 700,000 people. And one uh, congressman was comparing it to a county in Alabama, saying we shouldn't make county in Alabama Washington, D.C. a state, so we should make Washington, D.C. a state. And... That logic is basically saying, oh, you're so small, you don't deserve representation. Here's the problem I have with that logic. Why in the world the, the places like Wyoming and Vermont who have lesser populations than Washington, D.C. have voter representation? If they're so small, then they shouldn't have a voice in Congress, according to that Republican congressman. It's just insane to me. Just because an area doesn't have that many people doesn't mean the people don't deserve representation. Everybody deserves representation, whether you are one individual or whether you are a million individuals. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're up hiding away for a disaster in North Dakota. Sorry to all my Dakota listeners here. I'm going to piss a lot of people off or whatever. You know, it'd be like that. But I, I do want to say that you shouldn't measure, oh, this area only has this amount of people in it. Therefore, it should not get voter representation. That's just ridiculous. It shouldn't matter. It should matter about human rights, individual human rights, to have a say in who represents them in Congress. Now, the point also needs to be made that in 2018, Washington, D.C. paid more in federal taxes, federal income taxes, than 21 other states. 
That's because the GDP in the area is so high. It is not easy to live in Washington, D.C. Just take a quick look at the housing and rental prices there, and your eyes will go up like you just saw some fireworks. It's not easy to live there. It has some of the highest GDP in the country. And so, therefore, it's obviously economically um, strong enough to become a state without having to worry about bankrupting it out like Illinois, per se. Um, but you still need to consider the economic perspective. It's stronger than a lot of states. In the human rights perspective, everybody should have a right to vote. If you're going off that uh, philosophy that everybody should have a right to vote, if you live in America and you should have the right to decide who represents you in federal government that can vote on all legislation, not just legislation you know, that's in committee and did not being able to vote in the House, then you would agree that people in Washington, D.C. do deserve to vote. Now, people also say, I've heard some people on the right say, this is the wrong time to propose this. This is the wrong time to propose this. Um, we, we're facing a national COVID crisis now, and, you know, we shouldn't worry about giving D.C. representation. This just shows Congress is a bunch of clowns. Now, now I do partially agree with this uh, position. that I believe Congress should give more funding for COVID to regular individuals, bigger stimulus checks. Um, but I also think this is one of the most important times for representation because a Republican Congress and Republican Senate, sorry, Republican Senate, um, doesn't want to give out any more funding for people. Now, they'll give out as much funding as possible to businesses. Look at the Fed, independent organization, but let's be honest, it's a bunch of Republican bankers in there just bringing out trillions of dollars. Um, so we need to consider the fact that this is important. Everybody should be represented during these times of crisis the most. This is when people need to decide how our nation can go in the next election. And if D.C., the capital of our nation, the land of the free, home of the brave, does it even have true equal voter representation in our capital? Then that says everything that needs to be said about America as a nation. I think it's just pathetic. And we do need to continue to the point um, that there are over 4 million citizens in the United States who do not, do not have direct voting rights or equal voting rights. They're in Puerto Rico. They're in Guam. They're in the Virgin Islands. The U.S. has plenty of territories that they do not want to have voting rights, mostly because they'd be democratic, believe it or not. Um so we do need to consider this beyond a partisan perspective and just on a human rights perspective. What our country is based on is actually no, what the founding fathers sucked on this. But what democracy is based on is people having the right to vote. Okay, we need to stop this rampant voter suppression that is concealing what people actually believe, and that that it's just. A progressive philosophy, but I believe it should be everybody's philosophy if you want a true representation of what your country wants to enact. Everybody needs to be able to vote. And in the bill, it says, if uh, in the bill that was passed by the House for D.C., it says they will be called the Douglas Commonwealth for Frederick Douglas. Lived in the area, a famous abolitionist, wrote a bunch of books off about himself, you know, became famous. I might do that one day, but not anytime soon. And it will be called the Douglas Commonwealth, and the state will surround the federal district of, district of Columbia. Therefore, it, is, it may not be considered unconstitutional if the state surrounds the district of uh, Columbia instead of just replacing it and making this Columbia a state. It's kind of a little bit of legal loophole that is common in a lot of these bills. 
So it is definitely possible. Um, and people need to realize that this is an issue that has been going on since the foundation of our country. The founding founders did not know what to do with D.C. That's why they gave Congress in the future the ability to decide what to do with it. Right now, Congress com completely controls their budget and legislation. D.C. does have a city council. It does have a mayor. But all legislation passed by the city council has to go to Congress for approval. So it's, it's not really direct control over what your city does. Um, and that, that's really the sad thing about it. They've had instances where they wanted to pass marijuana um, and Congress shut that down for a while. They put in place these writers, per se, who can control the city's budget and basically make it so it's very difficult to enact legislation if you have no money to enact that legislation. Um, so they are definitely controlled by Congress, and it's been like this forever. It needs to end, or else we're going to still represent our capital as the... <laughs> Well, the only place the American mainland that doesn't have the right to vote for a senator or house member. That's absurd. It's 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 the opposite of a representative democracy and it needs to be stopped now. And that's all for this episode. I do think there'll be some more future episodes like this where it's just a singular topic discussed discussed by me or maybe another member of a different political philosophy. But just to update you guys, give you an episode for the week, make it a little bit shorter. I hope it went well. Um, please review us on iTunes if you have an iTunes account or just give us a like, comment on YouTube. Anything's welcome. We'd love to see that feedback. And I'll make sure to see you all next time next week. Thank you.